Are you a healthcare organization struggling to achieve success? What if I told you that success not only depends on strategy, but also on the right mindset? At the Mindset Gap, their team of seasoned consultants understand the critical role mindset plays in achieving organizational excellence by empowering your workforce to think innovatively, embrace change, and adapt to new challenges. So imagine your workplace, one where your employees and patients thrive, where creativity and productivity go hand in hand, and where obstacles become opportunities. Don't let your organization fall into the mindset gap. Take the first step towards unlocking your potential today and email assist at themindsetgap.com with the referral code GENCAN20 to schedule a consultation. Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. I'm your host, Jennifer George, and I'm joining you this evening with a couple of special guests. They are Giacomo and Ryan of Allied Health Financial, and they've started this educational platform for healthcare professionals in Canada to be more aware of their finances, to have greater ease talking about their finances, and having the conversation around them and also empowering them to take action where they're at right now. So grab your drink of choice, join us, and you don't wanna miss this episode. Welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. This is a safe space where we invite healthcare providers to unapologetically be themselves after the working day. My name is Jennifer George, and each week I will connect you with guests and stories that will help transform your stress to success and fulfillment. Are you with me? Grab your drink of choice and let's chat. Hi, Giacomo. Hi, Ryan. Welcome to the show. How are you guys? We're great. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for being here. Um, Just as we were chatting a moment ago, uh, I was excited to bring you on and I'm I'm honored that you guys agreed to come on just because I love what you're doing right now in the allied health space and the financial space, bringing the two together. Um, So I think our guests or listeners, I should say, will get a lot of value out of what you guys have to share today, Um, especially looking at um, finances from like a self-care standpoint. So something a little different than maybe what you might see out there as much. Uh, So tell me a little bit about you guys. What are you drinking right now? It's uh, just water for me right now. (laughs) Awesome. And uh, what, water right now. Oh, nice. All three of us then. <laughs> Can you guys tell me a little more about who you guys are without telling me so much about what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name is Ryan. I have been a physiotherapist working in Toronto in private outpatient practice since 2014 after graduating from U of T uh, at that time. And 
I have been doing a little bit of investing ever since I graduated. Awesome. And what about you, Giacomo? Yeah, so uh, my name is Giacomo. I also live in downtown Toronto. Um, I try to do this without saying what I do. It's hard. <laughs> um, I am married. I have a beautiful, much more intelligent than me wife. Uh, we have a little dog as well, a little miniature schnauzer named Heidi. And uh, yeah, those are really all the other things other than what I do, which is a little little sad maybe, but uh, that's me in a nutshell. I can confirm all of those statements are accurate. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate uh, your genuinity around all of that. <laughs> you guys are both very authentic. So I, <laughs> that's one thing you could definitely say about who you are. Uh, so tell me guys, like, what inspired this? What inspired the Allied Health Financial? Yeah, um, well, Ryan and I have been good friends since we were uh, doing our master's together. And um, when we were in school, um, I started getting a little bit of an interest in, in personal finance. And I knew that Ryan had a background in finance with some summer jobs and had a, a very big, deep interest in it. So I kind of asked him to, to show me a few things. And then from there, um we kind of started learning about things and and you know always had an interest and would talk about whether it was you know different stocks or savings or whatnot it was just something that ryan and i really connected on after he kind of showed me the ropes to start and we would notice that in both of our respective workplaces a lot of people a lot of really 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 intelligent talented people were having some what we thought were very kind of basic questions on on finance and you know asking us you know what should we do what do you think of this and so we both kind of sat down and realized you know this isn't because people can't grasp this intellectually they're they're clearly very very intelligent people it's just maybe they just don't know where to look so um since we had an, an interest and a passion in this we decided you know let's let's try and see what we can put out there and see if um it's of interest to allied health professionals and it, it seems to have been going pretty well so far i'd say um it's been been a fun little journey to this point that's awesome. So this was purely out of personal interest at the time. It wasn't like you took a business class in school or something and it triggered something. No, I would say that this, this definitely came up from recognizing just the, the, the lack of financial literacy that was occurring among our colleagues. And we recognized that we had a little bit of a, of an area where we could help educate some people in this and hopefully help save you know, a lot of people and future therapists um, and all healthcare practitioners, kind of the, the hundreds of hours that we put in and help them get a leg up on their financial journey. Yeah. And I think I, I totally agree. And I don't, I don't know. I haven't been in school in a while. You guys just graduated in 14. So um, has, has the schooling around like financial management, like in physio school, is there any course offerings on that now? Cause there never was, but when I was there. a business component to it. So it, it's starting, it's starting to, to become part of the curriculum. But I think a lot of it, from what I remember, the biggest thing I remember is that we spent what felt like countless hours learning what, how OHIP worked, which I haven't thought about since we finished those classes. But um, it's one of those things that I think is still lacking in, in physio school. And I'm sure it's, it's very similar in other, other professions as well. And I think it's one of those things where it's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing for the, for the universities to tackle because they have so much 
to cover already. It's such a, I mean, in every healthcare field is like this. There's so much to learn that is personal finance really something that they're going to be able to tackle and tackle effectively. Um, so it's, I think it's, it's still lacking in the traditional curriculum, but I think if we can expand the, the kind of side curriculum, I guess, of, of, and have other um, ways for healthcare, healthcare practitioners to learn, it'd be, it'd be huge. Yeah, that's a good point you make because really when we're in school and we're doing our specialty, like for instance in physio, it's all about uh, patient care, right? It's more about competency and safety and knowledge around the patient and conditions and, and treatment. Um, but it's, this would be more designed for the practitioner themselves or the professional themselves. So are there any, are there any facts or stats like on the impact of financial hardships or financial health? Um, on on actual professional burnout? So this is a really interesting question. And there, there are a few, there's not many stats out there, but there's definitely a few interesting facts. Um, so among different healthcare professions, they've done a few studies here and there. So for instance, in emergency department health professionals, they found that there was a relationship that was significant between burnout and job satisfaction and then there was a positive association between income, economic well-being, and job satisfaction. So kind of an indirect you know, correlation through there. Um, separately, there was one uh, that they did in just all healthcare professionals, and they asked them about stress and burnout. And they found that being a contract worker actually helped predict some of the dimensions of burnout. Um, but most interestingly, they did a study among um, medical trainees. And so burnout severity was associated with increasing levels of financial debt. And as we all know, um, having doing multiple degrees, we're kind of known in healthcare for our increasing levels of debt, the average being about 30,000 student loans for debt in Canada um, for grad students. Um, and despite this, obviously, financial literacy is super, super poor. And a third of medical trainees have high levels of burnout and three quarters of them report being unprepared to handle future financial decisions. Um, to step in, they did a, a study where they just did some education on three basic things, which was debt strategy, um, behavioral strategy, which involved things like setting goals, calculating worth, um, looking at budgeting, in, uh, then they did investing, and then asset protection, which is basically insurance. And they found that um, there was actually a large improvement in people's um, burnout associated stressors. Oh, wow. That is so interesting. Wow. Um, I didn't know that the, um, the, the average debt now was 30,000 for grad students. That's, uh, that's, I think when I graduated too, it was around, like I was in debt around, around 30,000 at the time. So I thought it would be higher, I got to say, but nonetheless, <laughs> it's still a lot of money. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. And yeah, just the fact that you know, you can be in so much debt, but your financial literacy be so low, um, that's, that's quite concerning. So another reason why I love what you guys are doing, and I hope that this brings more attention to it. Um, do you see, like, do you see managing, now that we've talked a bit about burnout, do you see that fin financial health is a part of one's self-care? And if you do, like in what way? Here, but Ryan can probably attest to this that I, I find Excel sheets quite 
quite calming. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan. So, I mean, other than, than my, my weird thing with Excel sheets, I think having that, I don't know, to me, self-care and burnout and managing those things is, is trying to trying to manage or get a handle on the unknown mm-hmm. um, or at least managing it as much as possible. Um, so I think in, in a way kind of budgeting and being prepared and um, even getting rid of some of the, the negative language that can be associated with, with financial issues. So, you know, a lot of people, you know, see all debt as, you know, tear, like debt is the worst thing you could possibly have. But we, one of the big things that we tell people is that, you know, there's, there's such a thing as good debt. Like there's, there's certain debt that is actually helping you. Like, you know, the debt you do get into in school is helping you get a job that will help you earn more, which will help you, you know, increase your net worth or a mortgage in most places and most times is good debt because it increases your net worth. So even things like that and kind of framing your mind around your finances that way can, can help with the burnout a little bit. And then I think personally, I find in clinic working somewhere where caseloads can, can fluctuate, you know, knowing that you have a little emergency fund there that can, that is there in case of a rainy day, you know, say that for some reason your schedule is empty for a week or whatnot, or you go away on vacation, you're covered there. It really can, I find that comforting. And if it's, you're kind of, I almost look at it as like you're taking care of a, of a plant, if you will, you're, you're growing something. Right. Um, and even though it might not be leaves and soil, it's still something that's growing. And if you're in the U.S., I guess technically also green. But in Canada, you know, I guess money is multicolored, but that doesn't really apply. <laughs> but it's one of those things where you're you're really you're kind of helping cultivate your your net worth, if you will. And that I find I find helps. It's calming for me in that kind of way of avoiding burnout. Yeah. And do you find that a lot of people I don't know that you've interacted with or have educated do you find that they expect more of a quicker return on their investment of time and practice or any type of investment in general? Or do you find that people are, are comfortable enough with seeing the growth over time? I wouldn't say that people expect a faster return. I think that the biggest thing that when we talk to people is the the hesitancy to get started because of the fear of the unknown. They're putting their money into something that they haven't done before. And even when I started in 2014, I remember my first couple months of putting money into, you know, you just, you send it from your bank to this platform and then you invest it and, you know, you may never see it again, but you know, it, it's there and it, and it grows. And so I think people are willing to take the long term. It's just, they, uh, they've never really, you know, put it in and taking their, their money into their own hands kind of thing. Right. I know um, for me, that was a challenge when I, it was a few years after I graduated. Um, and I found like I had all my, my money in my bank. Right. And I felt like at that, and I'll get to that in a moment, but I felt like I didn't have much control over it at the time or even, and that affected my future decisions regarding my practice as well. Right. Um, so just being conscientious of the money you do have, I think is a big thing. Um, I know people that have no idea like how much money they have in their accounts and stuff. And I think it's so important to check in with that almost daily, depending on your, um, depending on your practice or depending on your needs or your goals. I've, I've been trying to get in the habit of doing that, like just checking my statements daily, just so that I'm more aware of what's coming in and what's going out. But 
for me, it's definitely been a practice <laughs> over time and with some guidance. Um, can you guys share a time in your practice or schooling where you kind of felt like your financial health was suffering? And I guess could have potentially led to you burning out? Um, um, yeah, I, I was, I mean, speaking of, you know, getting out of school with debt. So I, I graduated with about $70,000 in debt. Um, so I was a bit, a bit higher than the norm. Um, and I think at the beginning that, that caused a lot of anxiety to, you know, having started that journey of, you know, getting into personal finance and understanding the basic concepts of it after graduation, it was one of those things where I knew, okay, you know, debt is a good thing to, to get rid of, you know, quote unquote. So that, that caused a lot of anxiety with, you know, being a new grad, being in an outpatient setting, and not really having the, the the steady caseload that you might have, you know, even two, three years later. Um, so I think that led me to having a lot of anxiety for sure. And I think at the beginning, I was trying to say, you know, I'll work, you know, the clinic is open from seven to seven. I, you know, even if I'm scheduled from 12 to seven on this day, if someone wants to come in at eight, I'll be here and I'll stay here for 11 hours. And it doesn't matter because I need to pay off this debt. Um, and that, that very quickly changed because I realized that that's completely, you know, it's, it's a very quick road to burnout. Mm -hmm. um, so I think having, having that, and I, I don't think I truly had an understanding of, you know, the whole good debt, bad debt thing yet. I just kind of glumped it all together and said, this is important. I need to get rid of it. And I think that quickly, it could have led to, a, you know, a really big burnout. But luckily, I think with some guidance from my then girlfriend and now wife, um, it was, I was very quick to, to change that and kind of slow down a little bit and realize that this will happen with time. And, and I kind of stopped myself short, luckily of that burnout. I'll, uh, I'll say a couple of things. One is that, that, uh, that grad debt, the average student debt after finishing grad school, that's across all graduate programs and in healthcare, I'm fairly certain that it would be significantly higher because we don't get paid to do things like TA. Right. So I think that ours is going to be a little bit more, so maybe closer to the averages on those ones. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's, well, that's quite remarkable. Like, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm kind of blown away by all of this. I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm not as versed as you guys in all of this, so feel free to, to add in any more. But I love the concept of good debt, bad debt, I, and, I, and reframing the langu language around debt in general, because like you, Giacomo, I would like back then when I graduated, I thought like all debt was bad, right? Like for me, and there was a lot of pressure and my mom um, stepped in and kind of paid off my debt. And then I paid her back over time, which I was fortunate to be able to do that. Knowing that I had a job that was secure, I did know that, but I think to see like $70,000, for example, like it's, it's hard to, to um, break that down. I guess you could say it would take a lot of, uh, a lot of discipline and a lot of uh, resourcefulness and guidance, I would think. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's one of those things that I think I had to realize, and don't, don't get me wrong, it's not like I'm sitting here trying to say that I like ate ramen for every, me every meal and no, no, you know, I put all my money towards debt. And it was one of those things that was hard and it struggled and I went up and down too. So mm. the, the debt repayment road is, it's a, it's a long one and it's important, but definitely I think framing to, 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 to help with that burnout, the framing side of it and, and thinking about good debt, bad debt is, 
is really a good way to go about it because it really helps it helps take the the guilt out of the debt i think a little bit and knowing that it was a good decision so you made this good decision and you're you're gonna have to you know you have to pay for the good decision but it was a good decision to make and it helps kind of it helped me work through that way big time yeah for sure and uh i could see also the anxiety around the future too like you said the uncertainty in a way um earlier but also just the anxiety of seeing just a bigger amount at once so speaking of that and that uncertainty can you can you guys share any like simple tips right now that people can do students or professionals um, when it comes to just simply managing their finances and not not even like and not being afraid to do that do you know what i mean because i think sometimes when we don't have the literacy we kind of avoid it yeah for sure um there's a few things that that everyone should kind of take a look at right away and the first thing that you that everyone should do is take a look at their budget um budgeting is something that as Giacomo will tell you you know it gets a bad rap um because between us he's the budgeting expert but knowing is power and we have a great financial toolkit that Giacomo designed that you can download for free from the website uh when you sign up and it'll help you basically track your net worth. It'll help you determine what's going in, what's going out. And it'll also help you then do things down the line, such as control your debt management, which is another one of the big things. Um, we put out a, an episode in a blog called the five things, the five pillars of finance, um, mostly for new grads, but they're definitely for, for everybody. Um, knowing how to basically just have a plan for getting out of debt so that you don't have to do it today or tomorrow, but Having that plan definitely helps, you know, be, uh, helps you sleep at night a little bit more, just knowing you're working towards the goal. Um, another one would be emergency planning. So anybody who had a, a well put together emergency fund going into this pandemic is definitely a little bit easier, um, is definitely sleeping a little bit better than, than anybody who had to, you know, borrow from lines of credit because they're going to have a, a longer time paying off debt. So that's another big one as well. Um, Take a look at your insurance because it's basically protection against things that can really hamper you and your net worth if something kind of comes up from there. And then investing, just take a look at your investing. And if you're doing any, uh, that's great. Take a look at what you're paying and where you're doing it from. And if there's anywhere, um, we have a, some great blogs and uh, podcasts on you know, where you can save some money and help build your net worth if you're paying lower fees for sure. Awesome. So now do you guys, um, offer these services as well, like privately on top of what you do as physios, or are you just more providing the education around it? Like you're not technically financial advisors as well, right? Or am I? Missing? Yeah, we're, we're not, we're not licensed financial advisors. We, we will start most of our blogs with this is, you know, simply for educational advice. And if you have more specific questions and, and there's certain things you, you really want to dig into, we always suggest, um, speaking to what we call a fiduciary advisor. So someone that um, typically we, we, we don't love the big banks kind of as a rule at, at Allied Health Financial. And if that's what people are comfortable with, you know, we say that's great. It's a good start. Um, and it's a, it's a good place to, to begin your financial career. But what a fiduciary advisor is, is usually someone who you pay per visit, kind of like you would be going to see a physio, Cairo, RMT, um, sort of thing to, to help you with your financial plan. They're not going to push you towards investing into stock A, stock B, mutual fund A, ETF, 
you know, they're not going to push you into certain investments because they don't get paid a commission to, to suggest certain investments. They're just paying, you're just paying them for your financial plan. So that's usually our suggestion. Um, but we find that most people, especially when, when early on, either new grads or, you know, before family, things get really complicated. Um, even with some basic sort of things um, and reading through the website, you can, you can get most of the things done on your own um, and at least kind of educate yourself. So when you go speak, if you do decide to go speak to a fi uh, financial advisor, you've kind of got those tools to, 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 to speak their language a little bit more. Yeah, that's, that's a great point because um, for myself, when I left the bank that I was with for so many years, for me, it was more that I had like investments and like GICs and things like that. And I would meet with them and I just found like nothing was being really done. And I, and I also didn't understand, um, like I wasn't really being educated through the process too. I think that was a big part of it. And then I really felt like I couldn't control my finances because of that. So I kind of felt a bit um, just uneducated and disempowered that way. And then I ended up finding a financial advisor who I've been with now for seven years or so. And she's wonderful because she educates me along the way. So I find she's also, she also helps with the planning part a little bit, but she did, she has a financial advisor as well. So when it comes to investments and things like that, um, but it, you know, to trust somebody with your finances is a really big, a big thing. I, I think people would have a hard time for the most part finding someone they could connect with and invest with. Um, so guys, tell me something about like renting and purchasing a home. <laughs> I always get into this conversation and debate with people. Um, so myself, I personally rent. Um, but what do you, I know you've put out a blog on this and I, and I did read it at the time. Um, but can you share your thoughts or perspectives? I know it depends on certain factors, but can you kind of give us a bit of a, um, I guess, just an over, um, an overthought on all of it? Because I think this will apply to many new grads, students, or young professionals right now. Yeah, absolutely. We can kind of give you the, the Coles notes there. So when you're renting, the advantages are, one, it's on average a lower cost than you would with your mortgage. And you can also make your housing cost, which is typically the biggest individual column on your budget in terms of expenses, you can fix that, which basically means that you know exactly how much it's going to cost you every single month. Um, the benefits of buying or owning is one, you get to build equity because part of your mortgage payment is going to interest, but the other part is going to what they call the principal, which actually builds up the equity or what you own inside the home value. And then the second part, which is the big one, is the capital gain. So as the market goes up, your house will, um, your house will uh, appreciate, sorry. <laughs> and you get to keep that tax free if you live inside the home. Um, the, the downside of renting is you, you don't get those same benefits. Um, so it's an all negative to your net worth in terms of your rental payment. But the downside of, of owning is you're responsible for all maintenance. So roof, um, appliances, all that falls on you. Those costs are in usually in the thousands, sometimes in the tens of thousands. Um, and there's also the additional costs of property taxes and maintenance costs on top of the uh, property insurance and utilities that would be universal across. Um, so we basically took a comparison in the blog and we said, if you wanted to buy a $550,000 house, 
you'd have an $80,000 down payment and we compared the two. So the owner got to take the $80,000 down payment and then pay down their mortgage and the renter got to take that $80,000 and then um, invest it and then take the difference between what they would both pay and because the renter is not paying as much they got to invest that money as well and at the end of 10 years the renter came out about sixty thousand dollars ahead of the buyer but the buyer we didn't factor in um the uh, capital gain okay. so that's the unknown so at the end of the day it's a personal choice much like everything we say it depends on your risk tolerance and your comfort and how much control you want to have um, absolutely. The other thing is down payments take significant time and effort to accumulate. Yeah. And I think too, with the capital gain too, like in appreciation, it just depends on the market as well at that time. Um, if you end up selling and, um, you know, compared to what, what you bought your home at. For me, I've just found renting, but again, it, it, it's more shorter term, right? Like I'm not thinking as far long term, um, and that's why I rent right now. But I'm kind of now considering purchasing. So, <laughs> um, so thank you for sharing more about that because that that very that actually very much simplified it for me very easily. So I appreciate that. Of course. Uh, yeah. So tell me, like, do you guys think us as healthcare providers working nine to five? you know, five days a week, let's say a min minimum full-time hours. Um, do you think like that's enough income to retire off of peacefully considering the risk to our health every day when we go into work? Yeah, the, that's a, it's a really, really good question. Um, and a little bit of that depends on what your what your retirement goals are like, you know, do you, do you just want to live in the same house that you've been, you know, either paying mortgage on or renting and just kind of go by your normal day to day life? Or do you want to, you know, travel to travel the world and that sort of thing. So you have to figure that part out a little bit, but one of the big things that we, Ryan and I both struggled with, I think getting into to physio and especially in the outpatient environment is that um, your, your earnings as a new grad are tied to your percentage and your caseload, both of which are typically low on the low end of the spectrum. And then as you get more experienced and, you know, people start coming back or referring to you, your, your percentage increases as, as you get more experience. And that's, you know, usually how you get those raises every year. And then, you know, your, your caseload might be a little bit busier. So then and that's a great it's a great problem to have but by the end of it you you might have reached the max of the percentage of, of the clinic you know this is as high as they can go to maintain their margins and keep their doors open and have a job for you and your caseload is maxed like you can't see more than x number of people in a day because there's only so many hours in a day mm -hmm. so if we don't reach that passive if we don't have a way to achieve that passive income through investing whether it's an etf or um, stocks, bonds, or GICs, or however you choose to invest, if you basically usually quite quickly reach a pretty a, a plateau in your earnings. And if you're not working, you're not earning. If you go away on vacation, you aren't earning anything. And then you typically come back to a slower caseload. So having that abil ability to, to reach that gain, that passive income, I think is really important um, from the, the increasing your your net worth or your earnings every year, but typically without investing um, and then ideally investing early 
it's hard to have your nest egg grow enough to, to have a pretty comfortable retirement. Um, and a lot of healthcare professionals that worked in the public sector or in hospitals have usually the, the benefit of some kind of a pension plan, and it's usually quite a sturdy one. But if you're not in that public environment, you you kind of need to kind of take care of yourself, quote, quote unquote, um, and start investing to, to be able to grow that nest egg to be able to retire. Yeah. So passive income, then, how would you define that? When you talk about passive income, are you talking about investments? Well, I mean, passive income, by definition, is any income you earn while you're not working. Right. Um, so in theory, in mostly how we've talked about it is definitely um, investments. Um, a lot of people will talk about, you know, different side hustles, if you will, where they can, you know, they might have, uh, they might put out a book or they might release a product or something like that that is selling and they're not, you know, they're not building each product. You know, they have, they have an inventory and then it, it sells. Or um, if you think about it, opening your own clinic then can hopefully lead to passive income because you have people who are working at the clinic seeing patients, there's money coming through the door, and then you take the profit. Um, so, so in our standpoint right now, how we think of passive income is definitely more on the investment side of things. Yeah. Um, but definitely there's, there's, there's multitudes of way to, to get there for sure. Yeah, um, I know a, a colleague too recently who pretty much exactly what you said, worked, works in the private sector, um, owning their own their own clinic actually but was also treating uh, not just overseeing and um, burnt out basically and um, has now pivoted so she's still treating and she's still seeing patients but she now owns um, a clinic and is now bringing other practitioners in um, so that she could probably earn some passive income right now so because otherwise she was just plateauing right there she just couldn't invest any more time in her in her income anymore it was just otherwise she was just burning out like crazy so um so i think it's so important again for yeah for professionals um to understand that possibility as well that we don't have to stay just in the direct care environment if that's if that's not what's going to help us achieve freedom or fulfillment in any way shape or form right or compromise their health i should say uh, so tell me, like, what are your favorite self-care tips that help keep you guys passionate about your career, but still now also allow you the time to share your knowledge um, with other healthcare professionals on financial health and freedom? Self-care tips. <laughs> That's a good yeah. question. Um, for me, it's probably, I know I need to be, I need to be strong enough and uh, able to do my job. So a little bit of exercise each day, but the thing that's probably most important to me is, um, i spend, you know, at least half an hour reading before bed. So I limit my screens and I'm just educating myself about one thing or another and, uh, and get a good night's sleep. Cause no matter how stressed you are, it's always a little bit easier to manage. Um, if you got a good night's sleep under your belt for sure. Awesome. What about you? We're definitely, Oh, sorry. I, uh, I definitely echo the the exercise side of thing. Um, I I'm like if you can I'm as amateur as you can get with triathlon. So I do um, a few races kind of every year, and I I don't I don't come close to winning, but I do I do finish most of them. So um, any kind of any kind of biking or running or swimming is a big uh, I guess not so much swimming right now, uh, but any kind of exercise is a big outlet for me. Um, and then similar to Ryan, most of my books are 
audiobooks when either biking or running or podcasts. Um, I find they're a good way to to kind of uh, be a little bit more introspective and kind of think about things that aren't physio or finance related for for a little bit and just kind of focus on my mind on some other things. That's awesome. Good for you guys. And what is your advice now, just to close things out in a moment, what's your advice then to healthcare providers who are struggling with financial sources of burnout right now? Like what is, I know you have a lot of resources, so I definitely recommend they, they direct themselves to that. Um, but what kind of advice can you give them or words of encouragement? I think that the most important thing is, I mean, that's why we, we started Allied Health, which was to, to bring education to people who, you know, kind of, you just didn't know. So the biggest thing is, is just get started with your financial journey, which is educating yourself is the most powerful thing that, that you can do. So you can tell if something is, is beneficial for you or not to your financial health. If you went to the doctor and the doctor offered you a treatment, if you knew about that treatment, you could tell if it was you know, going to be something in line with your best interest or not. But when you walk into your bank, you know, you may not know if they hand you something in front of you and you don't understand the document or know how to read the, the returns or the, the investment fee percentages or stuff like that. Um, so getting started, building a plan, because when you have a plan, everything becomes a little bit easier and you can just follow step by step as your plan gets executed from now till then. And it's a huge stress reliever. Any other words, Giacomo, or do you echo that? I definitely echo it. I would also say the big thing is to start, um, whether that's starting by reading our blogs or listening to the podcast or picking up a, a personal finance book or talking to a colleague or a friend, just the paralysis of analysis with this stuff is mm -hmm. gargantuan. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, pick something if you're if you're struggling with the, the debt side and the emergency fund side and the investing side and the insurance side, that can be really overwhelming. So pick one thing, kind of take care of it, tie a bow on it and move on to the next thing. And at least that way you're, you're able to compartmentalize it a little bit. And then with in terms of the to, to help your listeners find one place where they can get a lot of the things that we talked about today. Uh, we'll put together a link on our website. If you just go to alliedhealthfinancial.ca slash HCP, um, they'll be able to find everything that we've talked about there today. So anything that, uh, any of the resources or blogs or podcasts, that way it's, a, it's an easier place to start. Um, but yeah, I would say anywhere, just to start somehow. And if there's anything, you know, talk to your friends about it because they have the same questions. And it's one of those things that people have a lot of anxieties about talking about money, whether it's, you know, their financial situation or the percentage that they earn at their clinic, just, just talk about it and normalize it a little bit. Um, Cause you'll see that a lot of people are likely in the same boat that you're in. Exactly. And just connecting with others over it. So if people wanted to reach out to you directly, could they also contact you through social media in addition to your website? Yep, definitely. Um, you can find us um, on Instagram at um, AHS. C-A-N. Uh, we're on LinkedIn as Allied Health Financial, Twitter, Twitter as Allied Health Financial, um, and I'm missing one, Facebook as Allied Health Financial. There's also um, a Facebook group um, that you can um, sign into, and if you're a healthcare practitioner in Canada, you'll be granted access, um, and there's other healthcare practitioners to speak to there. Um, if you want to get in touch with us um, Specifically, you can either message us through social or just send us an email at info at allied health financial .ca. 
and we're always uh we're always happy to chat in any way that we can but not provide financial advice awesome directly no i get that and what's the name what is the name of the facebook group if people wanted to search that it is the oh, i'm freezing here it's the allied health financial lounge okay lounge. that's what it's called Awesome. And if and it's not called that, I will change the name to it. <laughs> <laughs> and again, they could just reach out to you guys on, on Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, or Twitter too. So they can, they can ask for the Facebook group directly from you as well. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. I've learned a lot in just a short period of time. And I really like how you guys are making this educational, but also enjoyable and uh, meeting people kind of where they're at in their journey and just guiding them through from where they're starting from. So thank you guys so much for all the work you're doing and I look forward to keeping in touch and connecting with you still on, on social. Thanks so much for having us, we appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you so much. Okay, take care guys. So if you guys like this podcast, please subscribe and leave an honest review. Your feedback means everything to me. Your reviews are what moves this podcast forward, and I always appreciate receiving them. If you want to get a hold of me directly, reach out to me on social media. My handles are in the show notes, and you can always subscribe to my weekly newsletters at jenniferGeorge.co so that we can stay connected. So until next time, thank you guys so much again for your ongoing support.